the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Happy Friday to you. Thanks for joining us. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock and we're underway. This Friday is the seventh morning of the first month in the year of our Lord 2022, and we are going to make the most of it. Coming up on the program in about uh, half an hour, we're going to talk to former Ohio congressman and now Ohio gubernatorial candidate Jim Renacci. Jim Renacci is fighting very, very hard to do something that I want done very, very badly, and that is to move Mike DeWine out of the governor's office in Columbus to take the little bespectacled buffoon and run him out of office. He did so much damage to this state, to the people, to the businesses, in his ridiculous little glorification ceremony of the year of 2020, as he was America's governor before there was an America's governor. He was one of the very first on all of the lockdowns, the very first to call for two weeks to flatten the curve, and all of the rest of the garbage. He destroyed school for hundreds of thousands of kids, maybe millions of kids. What is it, about 11.5 million people in Ohio? How many of them are school age? Probably millions. And he destroyed it, not to mention businesses that will never come back. Uh, Just an absolute disaster of a governor, and he needs to go. Jim Renacci will talk to us about that race and about uh, uh, some of Mike DeWine's more ridiculous um, flaws, if you will, including his ongoing belief that CRT, critical race theory, should be taught in public schools. Uh, So Jim Renacci will get into all of that with us at 935. At 10.10, speaking of public schools, I'm looking forward to this one. We're going to talk to a state rep I've never spoken with before, Representative Brett Hillier from uh, uh, Eurexville. He has a bill that is being introduced in the Ohio State House called the Teacher Transparency Bill. And what it calls for 
is for all teachers to share and post their curricula, their lesson plans, what they're covering, what resources they're using, what books, articles, videos, etc. that they're using. They have to be posted online for all parents to have access to a full transparency bill. They must conspicuously, that's the word used, post class syllabi on their websites, as well as any other mandatory course materials. We need to know what is going on inside our classrooms, what our kids are being taught, what our kids are being uh, you know, forced to, uh, to, uh, to do. The only thing that is better than this, which is something else I'm going to be pushing, and I'll ask uh, Representative uh, Hillier about this, is putting cameras in classrooms, which is exactly what should happen. Not facing the kids. No, we don't need to put your kids on camera. But a ceiling-mounted camera facing the front of the room to get the teacher to listen to everything and uh, that the teacher is saying and teaching. If we can force our police officers to wear body cams to document how they interact with the general public and adults, we can sure as heck have cams on the teachers to see how they interact with our most vulnerable population, our children. So that's next. We'll talk about that with uh, Brett Hillier at 1010. And then coming up at 1035 for the first time in 2022, I know what year it is. That makes me smarter than our president. Um... We'll talk to Christina Hagan, former Ohio State Representative Christine Hagan. will talk to us about what we are going to talk about here in just a few moments as we bring our opening monologue to the forefront. Yes, there is a constitutional showdown scheduled for today at the Supreme Court of the United States. At issue, your freedom. Nothing less than that. Nothing less than that. Your freedom is on the docket before the Supreme Court. It's in the form of the OSHA mandates put forth by the tyrant, the dictator, the emperor, Joe Biden. He ordered his transportation, or excuse me, his labor department, rather, to uh, tell OSHA to mandate vaccination with non-vaccines, by the way, but mandate what they call vaccination for all uh, employees who work for companies with 100 employees or more. OSHA did so, and people have lost their jobs. Companies have followed suit. They have uh, followed the order, even though it hasn't gone into effect. It didn't even go into effect before it was challenged by dozens and dozens of governors and attorneys general in, in uh, states across the country. But a bunch of uh, employers, seeing the handwriting on the wall, went ahead and Im- implemented this mandate. And people have lost their jobs. And staffing is at record lows. More and more and more people suffering because of that ridiculous mandate and the threats made against businesses if they don't follow suit. So we know where it went. We know it went to district court. A stay was uh, uh, was granted. Uh, it went to another appeals court. They lifted that stay and said, you can go ahead with this. Biden and his team said, okay, uh, ignore any courts. Just go ahead and keep doing this. Then said, okay, the courts say you can't do it, so you got to stop. Then said, oh, you can restart again. And inevitably, it was going to end up here. 
inevitably it was going to end up before the nine justices of the Supreme Court. And that's where we are today. And we're going to talk about what's going to happen there and what uh, what all of that means coming up in just a moment. But first, if you would, at 13 minutes past the hour, Patriots, stand. Face the flag if you have one. Put your hand on your heart. If you're driving and you don't have those opportunities, that's okay. Just say it along with us. Leftists, Biden voters, January 6th insurrectionist narrative repeaters who simply have no earthly uh, concern whatsoever for truth and no earthly concern whatsoever for the people of this country. You go ahead and kneel next to your favorite quarterback. Take a knee. We know you don't want to stand for our flag anyway. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. My uh, wife asked me today, or uh, before she went for went to work and before I was uh, ready for my show, she said, today's the day, huh? And I said, yes, it is. And she said, um, what's the feeling? And I thought, ooh, what an interesting question. What's the feeling about what's going to happen in front of the Supreme Court today? What's the feeling on how the Supreme Court will vote and react to the arguments being made today? What's the feeling? And I said to her, my answer was, it depends on who you're asking how they feel. Because if you ask a person who believes in the Constitution, who has read the Constitution, who understands constitutional principles and constitutional limitations, uh, the feeling is, obviously, the Supreme Court is going to turn this uh, mandate, or not turn it down, but is going to uh, uh, declare this mandate to be unconstitutional. It's clear. It's obvious. It shouldn't even take any time. However, if you're asking somebody who watches CNN on a regular basis, if you can find anybody, by the way, the ratings are out and they are just atrocious. They're just atrocious. CNN is a dumpster fire in terms of uh, people watching and supporting them. But if you ask somebody who does, um, they're going to say, well, of course the Supreme Court is going to uphold this. After all, this is for the public good. This is for the betterment of society, requiring people to get vaccinated against deadly diseases that can kill people by the thousands and the millions. It's for the greater good. Of course, the court is going to uphold that. So it depends on who you ask. Um, and I guess I my answer to that would remain the same now, except that she followed up with, yeah, but what about the justices? What do you know about them? And I said, that, my God dear wife, is a question that really I have no answer for. I thought I knew who Chief Justice John Roberts was. I thought I knew everything that there is to know because we watched in great, you know, with great detail very closely the confirmation hearings for uh, the three Trump appointees, for Neil Gorsuch, for Brett Kavanaugh, and for Amy Coney Barrett. But in reality, I don't know who these people are because they have made decisions on other court cases where I thought it was a very clear slam dunk that has you scratching your head and saying, what? I thought that this court was six to three in favor of constitutional originalists. 
constitutional originalists allow the Constitution to speak for itself. And they apply laws and they apply uh, 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 legislation that is put forth to the letter of the Constitution. That's what an originalist does. And it either upholds, or or the Constitution either upholds such laws when applied, or it doesn't. The other three members of the court, I expect to be what they are. I expect them to be judicial, or excuse me, legislative activists hiding in judicial robing. That's what they have proven to be. They don't believe in the Constitution, particularly as it was written. They believe it's a living, breathing body that can change every time they want it to change for their own personal partisan agenda. That it can change with the times. Oh, the founders never would have envisioned this or envisioned that, so we have to substitute our judgment for it. So to me, I ought to be able to say with great confidence there are six constitutional originalists on that court who are going to listen to this mandate challenge, and it's going to be ended in short order. But I can't, because Kavanaugh has proven to be unreliable. Gorsuch, to a lesser extent, also has made some decisions that make you wonder what in the living world a conservative justice like that is thinking. And again, when I say conservative, I'm, let me finish my thought there and then I'll go back to that. And then certainly with John Roberts. John Roberts, who actually was the deciding vote when it was a 4-4 a four to four deadlock with John Roberts being the deciding vote uh, on whether or not Obamacare and a, a mandate to purchase health insurance the first time in the history of the country that every American was required to purchase a product in order to avoid fines or jail. That's the first time ever. Have to have health insurance, have to purchase it, or you are fined, and if you don't pay your fine, you go to jail. Talk about unconstitutional. It was clearly unconstitutional. And Justice John Roberts wrote it into the Constitution anyway and said it's constitutional and that's what's going to happen. I've had this argument before. I've had this discussion before. So briefly, don't tell me you've had to have car insurance. No, you don't. You only have to have car insurance if you drive. You only have to have car insurance if you own a car. Nobody has an automatic, by birth, requirement to own car insurance because you don't have to drive. But in order to live, to be an American citizen, to live in this country, the Obamacare decision made by Robert said that just to exist, you have to have health insurance or we're going to punish you. That's not constitutional. So Roberts is a wild card. Some of the and I have great faith in Clarence Thomas. I have great faith in Sam Alito, in particular. Uh, I I have solid faith. I think I, I can say in Amy Coney Barrett, although she has raised an eyebrow or two as well. I don't know what I'm going to get from Gorsuch and uh, and Alito, or not Alito. Beg your pardon, Gor- Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. So she asked me, you know, what is, what is my prediction or what is my feeling about this? And I said it depends on who you, who you talk to. It also depends on what you think of the six, quote-unquote, conservative justices. And I want to hit that just super fast here before I go to our first break. Um, I do not believe judges are supposed to be conservative or liberal. They're not supposed to be conservative or leftist. 
It's not supposed to be a partisan, uh, ideology-driven uh, body. The judiciary is supposed to be 100% impartial, loyal only to the Constitution, not to an ideology. So when I call them conservatives, this is just the vernacular. This is just how um, the court has been described through the decades, really. Maybe the last couple of centuries. I went around for all of those. Um, but but they kind of talk about it being a 5-4 to four majority, liberal majority on the court, or a 5-4 to four conservative majority. And I don't like it. And a lot of people call it a 6-3 to three super conservative majority. On the court now, I don't like it. I don't like calling Clarence Thomas or Sam Alito or Neil Gorsuch or any of the rest of them conservatives. And I don't like calling Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor, um, you know, liberals. But the, the reality is, there are constitutional originalists and there are not. If you are a conservative-minded person, what you are is not an ideologue. You are a constitutional originalist. You believe in the Constitution the way the founding fathers wrote it. And it has stood the test of time. That's not conservatism. That's just being American and constitutional, constitutionally minded. It is those on the left of the court that are the ideologues. They believe that their leftist ideology trumps the Constitution and they can twist and mold the Constitution into a, into a way that it says something that it didn't say. And, and for their own personal partisan um, you know, uh, gain, if you will, or agenda. So that's the that's the big deal as we go into this debate today. The COVID nineteen mandate, Biden's OSHA driven mandate, um, is 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 going to be heard today, and I don't think it should be close. Quite frankly, it should be nine to nothing. But we know the reality of the situation, and with with any any sense at all any um wisdom guiding them them and their deliberations when this whole thing is done it'll at least be a six to three majority in favor of uh, overturning such mandates and i said at the very top of the show that at play or in play by this particular supreme court uh hearing the arguments being heard today the decision that will be to come your liberty That's what's at stake, your liberty. Because if you think this is just about a COVID shot, then you haven't been paying attention. What the Supreme Court is going to hear today is a case which asks the question, can the government take away the individual personal liberties of its population if by the government's own judgment it's for the betterment of the public good? And if they say yes, the government can take away the liberties in in an effort to do something that is for the public good, then this country ceases to be free. There is no middle ground. It is black and white. It is indeed that simple. You either have the freedom to decide what you do with your own body, or you have no freedoms at all. If the government gets the right to mandate this, they can mandate anything. And they will. So this is not even, uh, 
it's not an exaggeration when I tell you that your freedom is, is now up for grabs in the Supreme Court. All right, uh, it's 924. We'll take a short time out. 216-901-0945 the number to join us. 888-281-1110. I've got time for a call or two before the bottom of the hour right after this on Always Right. Whatever tomorrow brings. We've got a better chance of survival if we work together. Together on Always Right. We stay together, we survive. With Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. No constitutional or legal authority is given to the federal government to issue this type of mandate. And the Supreme Court should reiterate this fact quickly and without ambiguity. When Heritage filed our, our lawsuit against this unconstitutional mandate, we expected the fight would ultimately end up at the U.S. Supreme Court. That day is here. This is a pivotal moment for our judicial system. The outcome of this case will have consequences far beyond a mandate over the COVID vaccine. End quote. That's Heritage Foundation President Kevin Roberts speaking on today's hearings before the Supreme Court. He is exactly right. This is the point I'm laboring to make. The outcome of this case will have consequences far beyond a mandate over the COVID vaccine. I have been saying this for the last year and a half. If they can mandate that you take a shot, that you give up your own bodily autonomy and your own right to medical freedom to decide what medicine you take and when you take it, if they can make that decision for you, they can make all your decisions for you going forward because there is nothing more personal than your own health and your own body and your own decision about what kind of medicine you give it. There is nothing more personal than that. If they strip that personal decision from you, they can strip everything from you. It is literally that serious. Uh, Tanya in Akron. Tanya, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. Uh I love what you're talking about. I just wanted to hope that everybody saw Tucker last night, roast Ted Cruz. I love that because he reminded me of how you roast the, the wine, so keep it up. But the one that I want people to go to and watch is um, Jason Whitlock. He fried everybody last night about uh, January the 6th. And we need to understand... We're fighting for not just freedom. We're fighting for liberty. We can't separate them. They go together like your left and your right hand. If you don't have liberty, you don't have freedom. If you don't have freedom, you don't have liberty. And that's what we're talking about today in the Supreme Court. And you know, Tanya, you don't you're exactly fight right. For it, you're, you're exactly right. And thank you for the call. I, I did watch, and I saw Tucker uh, indeed roast Ted Cruz. I've got thoughts on that. I'm going to give a little bit later on. And I did see Jason Whitlock as well, who is one of the, uh, I think he's one of the best uh, conservative pundits working today. He is a deep thinker. He does not look at things in a shallow manner. He is somebody who uh, that I have a great deal of respect for, and he was right in everything that he uh, said last night about January 6th. We'll talk to Congressman, former Congressman, now Ohio gubernatorial candidate Jim Renacci. He'll be joining me next on AM 1420 The Answer. We'll talk to Congressman, former Congressman, now Ohio gubernatorial candidate Jim Renacci. He'll be joining me next on AM 1420 The Answer. Hey man, we go all the way. 
mainstream media is always left. Tune your radio to the right and find a voice of reason amid the liberal chaos. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Always 935. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer on this Friday. It's not exactly a free for all because we have a lot of very good guests, including our first one. He is a former Ohio Congress, uh, Ohio congressman rather from the 16th congressional district. He is now a candidate for the uh, Ohio governor's post. He is uh, in a fight with the incumbent Mike DeWine and uh, a couple of other individuals who are kind of just out there trying to divide the conservative vote, and that's going to make this a challenge for Jim Renacci, who joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Mr. Renacci. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I'm doing fine. How are you on this cold Friday morning? Just that. <laughs> very, very cold. Uh, but, you know, it was only a matter of time. We had a, we had a balmy Christmas, for goodness sake, so you knew uh, sooner or later winter was going to get us, and indeed it's here. Um, I want to talk about a lot of ho- a host of issues, rather, uh, on on the Ohio race, and uh, and I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. But I want to start with yesterday because I read um, uh, some of your quotes, some of your comments on yesterday's January sixth anniversary from the President of the United States, Joe Biden, who at one point, I believe, um, before he was elected, and that's a, an air quote term, really, quite frankly. Uh, but before he uh, was, de- it was decided that he would be the president, and even after, but before his inauguration, he made repeated remarks about unifying the country, about how it's not just Republican versus Democrat. I'm not going to be just a president for the Democrats and the Republicans. I'm going to be president for everybody, and we all have to come together. It's the only way we can we can uh, you know do do what needs to be done in this country. Then yesterday on the January sixth attack or I'm sorry, anniversary of the January 6th um, a riot, he attacked Donald Trump with more fervor and more vigor uh, and Donald Trump supporters than, than I've really heard ever before. Um, I don't know how this helps the country move forward. Do you need to get that? Somebody, somebody else got that for you? Okay. Maybe not. No, it's just, that's all right. Okay. Um, he, uh, he, how does attacking Donald Trump with the ferocity and the vitriol that he did yesterday, how does this help unify the country and help this country move forward? Well, Bob, it doesn't. And it's one of the problems that, uh, you know, it's just amazing. Joe Biden, first off, he can barely read anything when he does uh, read. I mean, he had a tough time even getting those words out. Yeah. So you can see it was very well scripted. but. Um, it was scripted by somebody else, but it was a, uh, a way of dividing our country. And that's what I said in a statement yesterday. Here we have a president who is basically dividing the country, worried about the previous president. Uh, and yet we have so many other issues. I mean, everything from the border, you know, COVID, he was going to be the COVID president. He was going to fix COVID, which we all know he couldn't. Uh, but yet, remember, that was one of also his first agenda items that he will be the COVID president and get everything under control. And a year later, you know, we're, we're spiking all over with what we call COVID, which appears to be just a bad flu type, uh, uh, contagious, uh, flu, but, uh, he's not done anything for that either. He's, uh, then he comes out and says that, uh, it's not the federal government's responsibility at one point in time, but to spend all day yesterday, really going after the former president, um, that's all he's doing. He's just dividing a country. And I hate to say this, Bob, I, I read something uh, two days ago that said, uh, you know, we're, we're, everybody thinks we're going to go into a civil war. 
we probably are in the civil war right now, and it's starting, and it starts with the president who continues to divide. Yeah, he does exactly that, and it makes me think, um, you know, with the tea leaves all indicating that Donald Trump is going to run in 2024, he knows that is his biggest threat or his party's biggest threat, um, you know, because he, he is still maintains extraordinarily high popularity with uh, with so many members of his base and others uh, that they're trying to destroy him and trying to destroy the movement uh, before it can ever get on the, you know, off the ground uh, in a 2024 campaign. So, you know, it's division for the sake of division. It's also division for the sake of political uh, gain. And uh, and that is what he used uh, the terrible, you know, uh, anniversary of that. It was it was a, it was a terrible event. I said it at the time. Nobody should be attacking the building. Nobody should be attacking police officers. Of course, it was a very small number of people who did that. The vast majority of people who did anything wrong that day was to trespass, walking in uh, completely open doors and invited in to go ahead and take pictures and then leave again. But um, the rest of it was a terrible thing. And rather than commemorating it as such, he decided to use it to attack politically um, his once and potentially future opponent. So it was a shame to see, and I was appreciative of your remarks. Um, now let's talk about Mike DeWine. Let's talk about your remarks about Mike DeWine. The alarming new data confirms that Mike DeWine is governing Ohio like a blue state liberal. People should be flocking to Ohio to start a business or raise a family. Instead, they're fleeing Ohio for opportunities in other Republican-led states like Florida or South Dakota. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean, governing like a blue state liberal? Well, it's the policies that we have. And look, uh, I've been saying this now for a couple years, that we have a state that uh, that Governor uh, DeWine continues to not change anything. I mean, he, he runs it like a tyrant, as you have said many times, but he doesn't really look at what are the causes? What are the other states doing? What is Florida doing? What is Tennessee doing? What is uh, Texas doing? What are some of these states, South Dakota, what are they doing? And why are people flocking there, yet they're leaving Ohio? You never hear this governor say those things. I've been saying it. It's our policies. It's our principles. It's the freedoms that they have in these other states. It's the economic policies. All these things have to be changed. But yet we have a governor who just gets up every morning and goes with Fran. And yesterday he, was, he went and, and talked with the um, National Guard. I mean, think about this. He causes the shortage in the health care, and then he sends the National Guard in, and then he goes, talk to, goes and talks to him and thanks him. Seriously, what kind of governor do we have? when that's the circle that we have. Why isn't, why isn't he working with the state house and the state Senate to change policy, to make this state one of those states where our children and grandchildren want to stay? That's the problem. The economic drivers of this state are broken. We are probably anywhere between 46th and 50th when it comes to business growth and, and uh, employment, pl- employers coming here. If they're all going somewhere else, so are the people. And that's what the study showed, that we're uh, in the top 10 states of people leaving, going elsewhere. And it's, it's, it needs to be changed. There needs to be a governor who takes a look at that and then says, we have to fix it by finding out why people are leaving. And the answers are pretty simple. You know, uh, one, one quick note on Mike DeWine um, that, that bothered me over the course of the last year and a half is what he did um, with closing the schools last year. Um, he's now on record, and it, and it bothers me because, you know, why is he, why is he a year and, and, and a quarter or so late on this? I and many others were saying this then. Uh, he's now saying schools going virtual is a mistake. 
He said, we need to keep all of our students in schools in person because so many of them did not learn anything when they were in virtual classes last year. He does not want Ohio students to be on on uh, on the computers now, especially considering there are tens of thousands of Ohio kids who never had access to computers during the virtual school learning in the in the in the year 2020 uh, and and uh, and and you know most of 2021. They did not have virtual uh, opportunities, so they learned nothing. Now Mike DeWine says, we need to keep the schools open. I'm looking for some consistency here, and I'm looking for him to apologize for the, the entire school year of 2020 and the first semester of 2021 in which everybody was on uh, on virtual because he ordered things to be shut down. <laughs> Bob, one of the things you're missing is he is consistent. He's consistently bad. And the reason he's consistently bad is that now – and he's done this his whole career. He knows he has a primary challenge. He knows it's not going to be easy. Normally, an incumbent governor can just walk right back into the seat. He has problems. So what's he doing? He's now trying to tell people that he really is a Republican. And if you think about it, <clears throat> this has been his trend for the last 45 years. Before the primaries, he becomes more of a Republican. Before the general, he becomes more of a moderate. And then when he is elected, he becomes a liberal. I mean, it's it's a it's consistency, but nobody sees it now. What's happening, and the only reason he's doing this, you know, that he would send he would say that he wants to close down schools today. He's got a primary, so he has to worry about that. He's still pushing for mass, which I say is child abuse. Whenever you force these children to mass, especially the small children who, uh, you know, they're touching their face, they're pulling the mass down. It's just abuse. They can't get a proper education. But this guy is going to be continually consistent. It's primary time. He has to try and, and get his vote count out. Now, I will, I will warn your listeners what's happening is if you start to – and there was a poll out yesterday that he and I are at a dead heat. Well, I was beating him, um, but what's he doing now? He's acting like a Republican, and he's spending money. He's going to states. He's, you know, he put money out. I call it Biden money because if it wasn't for Biden giving this state 12 or – $13 billion, we'd have a deficit and we wouldn't be spending all this happy money. But this governor now is going out and spending it. And then when I talk to people, they go, Jim, you'd be a great governor. But, you know, Mike's not that bad. Look, he just he just gave money to the police. And I'm thinking, this is the problem. This is why incumbents continue to win, even if they're bad incumbents, because they have the money uh, and the TV that go out and they use it to try and get people fooled to forget. My job and hopefully people don't forget, my job will be to continue to try and make people remember what the real Mike DeWine is like. Well, I have uh, that poll up in front of me, and I was going to ask you about that, and I'm still going to and follow up on that. But I want to stay real quick, if I may, with the schools, not about opening them. But I got a text message from the Jim Renacci campaign yesterday that says, Mike DeWine, our governor, supports CRT. That, of course, is critical race theory in your child's classroom. And then there's a link to learn more. Can you tell me more about that? Well, if you think about it, Mike DeWine has never come out and said, I'm going to remove CRT from the classrooms. I'm going to remove it. So, you know, he has that power. Uh, look at Governor DeSantis. Governor DeSantis said, if you teach CRT, we're going to reduce your um, educational funding. That's the kind of, that's where governors need to lead. You know, we have a governor who just sits back, has that happy smile, goes around with Fran. I mean, I, I, I must admit, I just don't like him when I see him, but... Um, it's one of the reasons I'm running, and it's one of the reasons why I have this passion in my heart. 
I'm worried about my children and grandchildren because we can't have elected officials like this where they just are okay with things. They don't want to disrupt anything. We need disruptors and we need leaders and we need a leader in the, in the governor's chair who's going to say, I'm not going to support the CRT and then goes to the legislature and says, you need to ban CRT, be the leader in the room. And that's what we're looking for. I believe what we should be looking for in a governor. And that's why that text message went out, which, uh, by the way, hopefully your listeners are seeing more and more of that. We have now engaged in some TV. We've so engaged in text messaging so we can start connecting with people and reminding them of what Governor DeWine really is like. The Committee for a Better Ohio poll is the one that you were talking about. They described this as their biggest poll yet on the Ohio gubernatorial race. Now, you mentioned that it's a dead heat. Uh, according to in a three-way race in the Ohio primary between yourself, Mike DeWine, and Joe Blystone, you and DeWine are both tied at 42% of um, uh, is the likely likely uh, choice for Republican voters. Joe Blystone is at 16%. Um, this may be overly simplistic. But it looks to me like there's 58% of Ohio Republican voters who don't want Mike DeWine. The real question here is whether or not the guy at the bottom of that list is going to be willing to step aside for the betterment of the people of Ohio. If if Joe Blystone was not in, it looks like you would be running away with this race, at least in a one-on-one matchup against Mike DeWine. Is that how you see it? Well, absolutely. And it's one of the, you know, it's the political science that I never understood when I went to college. Uh, and, and of course, I didn't take up political science. I took business. And I always used to think political science was a stupid course. But now that uh, I've engaged in politics congressionally and in this race, you start to realize there is a science to it. Uh, Mike DeWine is hovering. By the way, to be an incumbent governor, hovering at 40% is dismal. You have all the money, you have the, the pulpit, you have the television. That shows you that there is a distaste for this governor. And he used to be in the, the 30s, 35, 38. He's creeping up because of the money he's spending. Mm-hmm. But that says that a head-to-head race, Mike DeWine is gone. Um, when you have three people in the race, makes it easier for Mike DeWine to win. If there were four people in the race, Mike DeWine automatically wins. Three people, it's, it's going to be very tough to defeat Mike DeWine because he's going to continue. Remember, he has... Four months now. You'll see him spending money. He'll, he'll have a smile on his face with his wife, and they'll be talking about how happy Ohio is. And, and there's some voters out there that don't pay attention till the end, and they'll swing back that way. And he doesn't need much more to end this and be the next governor. So, um, yes, absolutely. If it's a head-to-head race, I believe Mike DeWine is history. Um, with the third person in the race, uh, it's going to become more and more difficult. From that, Jim Renacci, to this, because this to me is the most aggravating thing that I've heard, and I've heard it from multiple sources within the uh, ORP. Uh, the Ohio Republican Party is going to endorse Mike DeWine and John Husted for re-election in this primary. They're not going to endorse him after the primary. If he wins it against the Democrats, they're going to endorse him over you and over anybody else that might be in this race. I'm struggling. I have had a major, major problem with the ORP and the way it's been run. I have a huge problem with the influence that they have or do not have over some of the members in the Ohio State House. Uh, and, uh, and now I am just disgusted to learn that they are going to rubber stamp the horrific governance of Mike DeWine, uh, over the state of Ohio and try and endorse him for four more years of this nonsense. Uh, do you believe that's going to happen? And how do you feel about it? 
Well, I do believe it's going to happen. I've talked to some of the Central Committee members. It's amazing. Some of the Central Committee members that will be voting say to me, Jim, you'd be a better governor. Um, I, I like your positions. Keep going. But in the end, Mike DeWine is the testicular head of the Republican Party, and it would be an embarrassment if we don't endorse him. And I said that is just absolutely ludicrous and ridiculous. But, you know, that's the position of some of them. Others are just so establishment-bound that they believe our Republican governor, which is what they call him, needs to get endorsed. And then there's Mike DeWine, who is actually asking for the endorsement. And he has been told by other Central Committee members that, look, if you ask for the endorsement, you are going to cause nothing but problems within the Republican Party. Just win it on your own. And he has turned around and said, no, I want the endorsement. I've heard that as well. So, uh, they, look, they were planning on giving him the endorsement in uh, in the last meeting, I, at least I understand that, in December, I was at that meeting. It was a horrible meeting, horribly run. Um, but it sounds like they are going to give it to him in February. That just gives him the keys to the money, gives him the keys to uh, the slate cards. Um, it does make it more and more difficult because, Bob, you always got to remember, there's 10% of the population who aren't paying attention to anything, Republicans as well. Mm-hmm. And then all they do is get the slate card and they go in and vote. They don't know that Jim Renacci is in on the, who Jim Renacci is. They just know that, hey, this slate card has Mike DeWine and John Houston on it. It does hurt. I'm just hoping that the people step up. For this election to be successful to remove Mike DeWine, a couple things have to happen. People have to step up and say we're not going to let it happen. We've got to make sure that there's no, well, you know, he's not that bad of a guy. Or he's the evil, at least we understand. I'm hearing that as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we just need change. And I think that's, people just have to understand it. And the ORP, they got their own problems. I, I wish they would just fix their problems and be a party of making sure Republicans follow the principles and policies of the party, not only at the state level, but all the county levels. And if they did that, we'd have a stronger party. Instead, they interfere and they put their hand um, over who they believe should be elected, and they'll endorse others as well. Jim Renacci, candidate for Ohio governor. It's a, it's a tough uh, primary fight against an incumbent governor. There's no question about it. It could be easier if people would just open their eyes, particularly in the ORP, and maybe if some of the supporters of Joe Blystone would encourage their guy who has no chance whatsoever to step aside and unify the anti-DeWine vote. Uh, and that's something that I hope is going to gain some momentum in the next couple of months. Uh, Jim Renacci, thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate it very much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Bob. You have a great day. You too. That's Jim Renacci. He wants to be the governor. I think he should be the governor. Um, if you want to respond to it, we'll do that. 216-901-0945, Always right on AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to Always Right with Bob Frantz. All right, all right, all right. On AM 1420, The Answer. 9.56, thanks to uh, Jim Renacci. You know, we were just talking uh, about the governor's polls, the governor's race. Speaking of polls, uh, I just, uh, I'm amazed. He's, He's a year onto the job. How bad must you have screwed things up in one 
calendar year to have poll numbers this low. You want to know why Joe Biden attacked Donald Trump yesterday? Because he has nothing else to say. He can't justify the inflation rate. He can't justify the energy costs. He can't justify the border. He can't justify uh, the uh, supply chain problems. He cannot justify any of the mess that he has created. And so he attacked Donald Trump for 40 minutes yesterday. In the latest poll... Joe Biden's approval has now sunk overall to 36%. Among young millennials and older uh, Gen Zers, 18 to 34 crowd, the crowd that is most likely to have been indoctrinated with leftist thought, groupthink, in colleges, 18 to 34-year-olds, the approval rating is down to 28%. He's 40 points underwater with independent voters. 40. 4-0. 40 points underwater among independent voters. Not Republicans. Independents. Only four states have him out of 50 above water. And get this. There are 32 Senate seats up for election in these midterm elections coming up in November. Only three are in states where Biden is above water. What does that mean? That means there could be more than just a tsunami in the House. There could be a red tsunami in the Senate as well. This is an, it's amazing. And it's also encouraging. Lisa in Medina is up now on AM 1420, The Answer. Lisa, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I am I am great, and uh, I just got to say, this week you have been on fire. I like your new look on the on the uh, uh, web page for fourteen twenty. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Um, We're excited we about it. Excited. It's a new attitude, a new look, a new branding, a new attitude. As I said on Monday or Tuesday when we came in, uh, that comes in with the new year because we all need to have a whole new aggressive attitude if we're going to do what needs to be done in the next 11 months to to save this country uh, in November. That's right. We're, we're going to have to be on it. There's not too much that we can do. Um, we're really looking forward to seeing you tomorrow at the Thirsty Cowboy. As am I. <laughs> and I just... Uh, I. I hope that you talk a little bit about uh, more about January 6th. That was incredible um, when you interviewed the fellow making the movie and the different people that called in. Um, it's something that we just don't hear about anywhere else. You know, of course, we heard about it, you know, a little bit on some of the other stations, but there are still people that are locked up. There's, we've got one guy that uh, helped us with McFan that had, uh, was getting ready to travel and uh, went to check in, and the FBI came behind him, arrested him, and now he has his own battle um, because he was you know, somewhere close by mm-hmm. on January 6th, and he works in D.C. So it, it's, uh, it, it, there's a lot of stories that haven't been told. 
No. And, 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 you know, what is being done to the people who are being held right now is still in isolation. There are around 130 people that are being held now for a year with no trial. Uh, and instead of being released before their trials, which should be, uh, you know, the, the, the traditional or at least given an opportunity uh, to post bail, uh, they're still staying in these horrific conditions. And the way they treated people who were there, who did nothing wrong, but who were just there, all of those things were featured in the movie. It's um, it's re- reminiscent, quite frankly, of a you know of a Nazi Germany, of a of a you know a, a communist uh, Soviet Union Russia. It, it's it's the way they treated their people uh, is the way we're treating people right now because they were present on January sixth, and that will be a part right. of my talk tomorrow. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward forward to it, uh, Lisa Woods. Uh, so tomorrow, eight thirty, Thirsty Cowboy, Madonna County, friends and neighbors. Glad to be back for another appearance there to uh, talk to the good folks, and I look forward to seeing you too, Lisa. Fantastic. And, and, Bob, there'll be a lot of candidates there, so even, maybe even some that you haven't met yet. So um, it, it's a great place for people to meet those candidates and uh, get their petitions signed, and we can learn about them early on. Very much looking forward to it, Lisa Woods. Thanks so much, Lisa, for all you do. Thank you. All right, that's Lisa Woods. I'll be at Medina County Friends and Neighbors, that terrific organization that she runs tomorrow morning. And uh, we will have the shirts, by the way. They don't want science. They only want compliance. The T-shirts that I made off of, a, of, a, of an offhanded comment on these airwaves, so many people ordered them off the website. They love it, and we've, we're going to have them available to you uh, for sale tomorrow at Medina County Friends and Neighbors. So make sure that you bring a little extra cash, get yourself a T-shirt, and uh, represent. Wear the truth and share the truth. We'll be back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.